Hey everyone, welcome back to Channel Talks and today we'll be discussing and reassembling and digging deep into that wonderful topic that is being thrown around at the moment by virtually every analyst and almost every vendor and in instances vendors who really are talking about it but not doing a lot about it and that is that beautiful uh, topic of automating uh, B2B in that whole quote to cash process for installed based selling. I am delighted today, thrilled to be able to have uh, Dave Cavaness, who's the Vice President of B2B Strategy and Partnerships at Cleverbridge. And of course, I'm Nick Verikios from iAsset. Unfortunately, Scotty can't um, uh, join us today for this one, uh, but I will be doing my very best Scott through impersonations. So without further ado, Doug, please introduce yourself, my friend, to our audience um, and what you do. Nick, it's great to be with you. Uh, Doug Cavanus. I, uh, you, you're, we're talking about one of my favorite topics right now, which is about removing friction from buying experiences, uh, particularly in B2B. So uh, I've been with uh, my company, Cleverbridge, for 10 years. And over that time, our focus has really been, and since we, we were started, it's really about removing friction in global, from global buying experiences. And at Cleverbridge, I'm responsible for both our strategy in terms of how do we best support the B2B selling community in terms of removing that friction, regardless of the geography in which they're transacting, um, but also uh, enabling partnerships, uh, companies uh, such as iAsset.com to provide, increase the value that we can extend into the market. Um, so. Yeah, I'm actually going to dig into that a little bit, if I may, Doug, um, removing friction. That, that phrase, removing friction, in a business sense, uh, right, let's stick, let's be, let's be, you know, let's not be too rude and let's stick to the business sense. Yeah. Um, it's overused. It is overused. So I want to ask you, rather than it being overused, how do you actually remove friction? And be as practical as, as, as you want here. Well, and, and this gets accentuated now as a lot of companies have moved to SaaS and subscription where there's frequent billing events. A lot of the companies we speak with out there today are still using manual processes. Okay, perfect. And Thank those you. manual processes can take a huge amount of time. Plus, that, so that's one point of friction. That's just from the seller standpoint. But then from the buyer standpoint, Especially, this gets even more complex with smaller accounts, which is where a lot of the growth is. Um, they don't want to have to talk to a sales rep. Everybody knows that. They don't want to have to wait for office hours. They might want to do that on their own time in their own place. And so a lot of it is about uh, providing self-service buying experiences. And that's a lot of what both of our companies clearly do. Yeah, so what we're seeing as well at, at iasset.com in terms of that whole manual process, and thank you for, for, for defining it that way because that's spot on, is in many of our organisations that we're working with and even um, our, our prospects at the moment, um, they do believe they have automation because they have an automation toolkit associated to their ERP system, of course, right. or CPQ, or, um, or, or they're using Salesforce or something like that um, in, you know, uh, in, in, in trying to deliver customer success. Um, but because it's not purpose-built for you know, that whole quote-to-cash uh, uh, process, and right. maybe they don't even have a strategy yet installed to be able to mine the installed base and, 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 and monetize it, 
uh, right down to the point of collection. Uh, they think they're automated, but they're not because there's still heavy, heavy, heavy manual processes associated with filling the gaps. And in some instances, what we're finding is they're losing faith in the idea of automating that whole process because it's not bearing enough fruit for them because of the amount of manual process. And the answer, unfortunately, is when well, you're not using the right tools. Yeah. Are you, yeah. Are you, are you finding that? Well, absolutely. A lot of times people do have an initiative, but to your point, the tool set that they're using, maybe because they're using their ERP vendor or they happen to be using their subscription management uh, platform, they're not using a best-in-class solution through the whole process. Yeah. A lot of times they're then having to do this in-house. And a lot of times most companies out there today are struggling for resources, let alone expertise and things like e-commerce, payments, global uh, localization, things of this sort. A lot of the companies that we're helping today actually are using our merchant or record model, which is, is, makes us really special in that we take on a lot of the heavy lifting for the customer, particularly for cross-border transactions. So if, if a company say we're using an ERP vendor and they wanted to stand up their own uh, commerce capability or cash, being able to collect cash cross-border, they're going to have to set up payment contracts, be able to deal with privacy or PCI. They're going to have to have global compliance. They're going to have to have localization. They're going to have to source a storefront. They're going to have to set up a reporting engine. They're going to have to hire people that are experts in digital marketing. Working with a company like Cleverbridge, we provide this end-to-end -end solution where they get best in class for that aspect of the problem to help them remove all that friction. Yeah, that's, that's, that's an awesome point. And I'm going to go into that whole merchant of record area with you a little bit yeah. later because I really want to uh, well to dig into it. But while we're on the topic of the state of the installed base selling um, uh, market at the moment and also vendor engagement, and we're starting to talk about the good and the bad, I just want to stick to that a little bit and just share yeah. some stories around what we're seeing in the market so, so that our viewers can start to identify with, am I on that side or am I that side or am I that side, and what we can do about it. Because uh, right at the moment, what we're, we're seeing is at a C-level, decision-making level, um, they're under the impression, and it's usually through the good people in their IT department, that we've got this covered. Mm. But they have it from an automation point of view, so the productivity isn't there, so therefore the advanced investment isn't there because... Uh, they're focusing on net new without realizing that what we're talking about is creating unsolicited proposals right down to the point of collection, which is all net new. You wouldn't have had that yeah. business if you otherwise would, as opposed to just protecting the installed base. It's monetizing the installed base. And you protect the all installed base by making it successful, by adding right. to it. The more you know that the more you're selling into the installed base, the more they're getting out of the investments they're making in someone's technology, the vendor's technology, and the more you're making them successful. But it's a very absent discussion at the moment at that sea level. And I know a lot of the analysts get very frustrated, Doug, when, 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 when they're talking to vendors about this and not getting the right, um, uh, uh, the right engagement at that sea level because they think that they have a solution that does this and they don't. That's and our experience. What is, what we, we see that a lot. And a lot of the thought process is very compartmentalized still, still very silo-based and not focused on that customer growing them during their life cycle, whether it's direct or through a partner. So what, what are you seeing, Doug, in terms of the good and the bad, bad in terms of you know, installed-based selling right down to the point of, of, of monetizing with collection? 
Um, what, what, what are the frustrating things that you're trying to help your customers solve? Well, one of the most basic, and it's an, an aspect that I think both of our companies help address, which is when it comes to engaging with the customer is knowing who your customer is, aggregating customer data in a single repository, and then sending them the right offer at the right time. Right. And just in the renewal world, um, we've seen these cases where a company may have a 60% churn problem because the customer never even got the, uh, the renewal notification, didn't even notice about it. So that would be one example, but there yeah. are many of those. Does, does that make sense, sir? Yeah, absolutely. And, and for me, when I start to look at the good and the bad of vendor engagement, um, that should never, ever, ever exist where someone yeah. can actually get that renewal. Uh, never that should mind. should be table stakes, right? Yeah, so. never mind getting that <clears throat> upgrade opportunity or end-of-life opportunity. You know, they. You know, you, you, when we speak to a lot of end customers, when we've when we're, you know, got our customer success hats on, they will get an end-of-life notification. In other words, yeah. this expires. But they're not getting the alternative. Yeah. They're actually not getting that. And they're relying on a channel. Many of them tell us that they're relying on a channel to do that for them. That's their job, to go in and do that. But the channel can't handle... Yeah, the that volume many of transactions. that. That many transactions at a, at a, at a, at a transaction management uh, uh, level, when some of it just needs to be automated, or most of it just needs to be automated. The renewal just needs to be automated. But the, um, the, the expand and the extend sales, they will need some selling. But that's okay. They're good at doing that. But handling the transaction from end to end, from the vendor to the end customer, uh, is is almost impossible. What that's what we're seeing, and that's why we're very excited about seeing um, the monetization side of it uh, being automated as well. Because we don't automate that; we automate the opportunity. We create the potential and the possibility and the opportunity while yeah. we work with organisations like Cleverbridge to monetize it. So it's completely end to end. We will get back get into that. But um, my frustration at the moment is the lack of vendor engagement in these in motions because they think they have that covered because they have a program, they have a program, but they don't necessarily automate that program into their partnerships. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely a significant issue there. And I think a lot of it is awareness. Um, they, they sometimes accept whatever is happening as maybe the normal and don't realize how, how much more effective it can be. Yeah, because, you know, I mean, one of the topics I want to cover today, and we could do it now is, you know, there are legitimate solutions out there. Um, and we do have best of breed um, vendors, distributors, and resellers using that, doing yep. that. But they tend to be, um, what we're seeing is they tend to be deviating from uh, a, set, a, a set defined uh, set of goals, you know, that their organizations have, which don't allow for installed base selling, mm -hmm. even though it's critical. And as I said, you know, you're doubling your revenue at least. And you're, 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 you're guaranteeing 40% of your recurring revenue every year after. Minimum. These are minimums. We've got the data. We've got lots of customers who have got the data now. Um, mm. uh, it's, and it's not happening at a policy level. It does my head in, mate. It does my head in. Uh, what can we do to, to change that? You said education and awareness. How are you guys doing that? A lot of it is... Uh, a I think it's sometimes asking the right questions. 
And a lot of times there are people and organizations that recognize there's a problem, but they don't necessarily, uh, sometimes we try to help those people connect the dots to other people in their organizations. Um, so for instance, for one company right now, we're in the process of standing up a proof of concept. So we're gonna do a test in one geo and let them have the data and see how that both freed up time and resources of personnel that are currently having to uh, process these transactions, um, but also show how in addition to that, they're actually selling more as a consequence. Right. So a, a lot of times it's, uh, it is this process of education. Other times it's sharing uh, maybe best practices or references from clients who have already seen similar success. Right. Right. I, I do see people now are more receptive than they were two years ago. It seemed as though COVID definitely accelerated uh, this dramatically. We see a lot more receptivity or openness to looking at this sorts of things. Yeah, we've absolutely seen that as well um, during during the whole COVID process. Where uh, and I call it COVID process. So I'm not trying to be. I'm not meaning to be rude or funny. There. Yeah. Um, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll know when I'm funny, but. Um, it's 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 given occasion for a review, and, and 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 what we're finding is we're doing a lot more consultative selling in a space where we thought would be obvious, and it's been a le lesson for us. It's really obvious to us. That's why we yeah. developed, you know, technology yeah. that, that that solves that massive problem. But it still tends to be, you know, the the left side of the the, the, the chasm or the chasm, depending on which part of the world you're, you're from. Um, I'm sure there's a better word in Greek, but anyway, the, the the idea of moving them across is that getting them to realize that those who tried it by using a rudimentary tool, um, which uh, was good in the absence of anything else, but what they did was ended up from an automation point of view, telling us that, well, we tried it and failed. All right. So, what, and, and what, we're, what we're saying is you didn't fail, you were just very early in a process. Right. You didn't fail. You were very early in a process. And now you're able to upgrade it because no one got anything wrong. This was just their view and shame on all of us for not making you more aware of the, the real tools that are available to do, you know, complete transaction automated from quote, quote, to collect. And that you see the almost, if, if it's a, if it's a, you know, a face-to-face -face call, you see the body language just drop and it's like, oh, thank you because no one's going to get in trouble here. Right. No one's going to have to go back to the, back to the C-suite and say, well, we screwed up. No, yeah. um, it's, it's go back to the C-suite and say, we've already got a toe in the water. We've already got our leg into this space and now we're going to accelerate it because what's available today wasn't available when we first started this a few years ago and we want to invest and this is the result because the data exists as well. And very quickly we get from that hesitancy to a pot. Very, very quickly. That's great. And I'm curious, uh, Nick, for you, how much of what you're having to do as change management is helping to help on the change management side of things? Very few people come to us, Doug, um, and say, um, I want an ISF deployment, an ISF.com deployment. Um, they come to us and say, I'm intrigued. You've given me all the words I need. How do I put it together? So we yeah. find then it... It's all about change management. It's all about really easy to get someone to understand why this is important. Because like I said, we've got the metrics now. Yeah. We've got, you know, all kinds of legitimate um, metrics um, that other organizations are looking for. 
right? Mm -hmm. Net dollar retention, you know, uh, you know, uh, for example, is is is, is a good one. Um, and uh, net recurring revenue is another good one, and and they're there and they're available. So it's very quickly to um, convince the stakeholder. A very, it's very, to, to, it's very qu a quick process to convince the stakeholder. Then you have to help them, not us doing it, but help them do the change management internally. And that's what we're seeing a lot more of. We're actually right now looking at actually creating a formal service around change management. There are a lot of things we're doing just part of our natural work, but actually creating it as more of like a, because we recognize as like a key thing that so many people need right now is help. That's fantastic. That's fantastic that you're doing that. I'd love to know more about that. If you could just go into that a little bit about that program, the formal program that you're using for change management, if you, if you yeah. will. Yeah. So part of it, so we have some things in place right now, just trying to help anticipate with that person, key personas in their organization who will have, fairly predictable questions or concerns. Right. And, and trying to build almost like a playbook, if you will, to at, ferret out the standing in each of those uh, personas, what questions they have. If they're one of the things that we found often comes up is business modeling. So a lot of times we're actually working with a CFO. We're actually helped create right. a business model for, to help them evaluate um, the investment in, in whatever it is, the change that they're anticipating. Right. Um, um, but a lot of it is really working. It's it, so often in B2B, it's not one persona. I think Jay McBain might say, uh, or first would say often now they're set up to 17 or 18 buyers in a typical enterprise transaction. Yeah. And we definitely see something similar to that and really making sure that all of those personas questions are addressed. Yeah, that's a really important point because it, it, it again talks to the education piece that you were talking to, as well as the practical ability to service, um, you know, up to 18 buyers, you know, yeah. how do you do that? Um, we default to there's probably up to 18 influences and um, and not look at them. That, as that's well. a better way of saying, yeah, the influences. Yeah, but, but as influences. And they're all part of that decision-making ecosystem yeah. because they're influences. And we find the best approach is to have most of those covered already at a generic level. Yeah. So there's so what you're left with left with is two or three stakeholders who will be responsible for the ultimate decision. Yeah. And therefore, like, yeah. and therefore, that's when we start to go from almost a generic uh, education perspective to a targeted one because it really means we're then talking to their business. Yeah. And as soon as you have that, and as soon as you lock that in, and as soon as you're very, very good, well, just talking from our point of view, but I know it's true for you guys as well because of the deep discussions we've had. Uh, as soon as you customize initially, um, probably through policy rather than technology, because yeah. the technology doesn't need to be, uh, you're done. You're actually yeah. done. And what we're then doing is finding that we're having repetitive discussions with our customers on keeping the strategy alive, not keeping the technology alive, because it's SaaS for both of us. And that yep. keeps itself going all the time. And, you know, effectively, they trust that they've bought a roadmap as much as they've bought a, a, a piece of technology. And that roadmap is being influenced, yes, but it's also being informed by every other customer in the ecosystem. So all those additional features that they would never, ever have thought of. And we're coming back and saying, well, readjust your strategy because you can do more now. 
And it's always a strategic discussion, not a technology discussion. We find once we've bedded in the technology and it's approved, that's it, you're in, done. Yeah. That makes total sense. Yeah. So on that, are you finding, Doug, that it's difficult to find that champion inside? And I'm going to specifically pick on vendors because they think they've already got it. I think sometimes companies oversimplify the problem and people get stuck. Like I, I had a, a conversation with the head of global customer success and renewals for a top enterprise company today. And there are one of these, what you see a lot, there are quite a lot. They're a legacy technology vendor that previously sold perpetual licenses. And to the extent that they have subscriptions, it's more in the way of uh, subscriptions on on-premise software or maintenance and support. From the top, they're aligned on uh, needing to drive net revenue retention. Um, they have that, that headline at the very top but it hasn't been translated clearly. What does that mean in terms of how do we actually cultivate that relationship and grow it over time and actually think through like that customer's renewal is, is gonna be an event that happens in three to four years. What do we do then? Or what, it, what should we have done before that renewal event? And they said right now, they're really more focused on renewing than on the life cycle of that customer. And I, I think that it's really translating that through every thread of the company at the customer is we have a customer relationship. How do we grow it? I think you had the statistic selling into your existing uh, installed base. You're going to, what, roughly double your sales? What was your statistic? Yeah, well, um, if you look at the entire lifecycle process, that's yeah. the, the, the truth is you're going to double. Yeah. Because not only are you guaranteeing your renewals that you thought that you had, but you didn't because renewals are, are competitive, and that's especially at the low tail, at the, which, is, which is substantial, but the uh, expand option with the campaigns and the campaigns module, the additional sales, that's where you can double your revenue. But yeah. be it every year after that at 40%. Yeah, and it's interesting. So another conversation I had recently was with another company, legacy technology company. This one sold boxes, hardware. And they felt that the renewal process actually was pretty optimized, but they realized the broken part was they weren't focusing on the customer adoption and expansion. They realized that they had kind of capped out the gain that they were going to get on making renewals even more perfect was like basically pennies on the dollar. And the real money was focusing on the adopt and expand play. Mm -hmm. And that was actually almost missing. And I'd say a lot of times I speak with customer success leaders and they say, we're really more of a renewals organization and we're still building our charter to become focused strategically on driving that value. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and numbers matter when it comes to that, that, that conversation. Yeah. You know, I recently had a conversation with, 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 a, with a vendor um, that was saying, no, well, we want to talk to you about the expand side of your, yeah. the campaigns module, right, of, 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 of ISF.com, because we've got our renewal sorted. And I said, fantastic, let's do that. Um, but can I ask you a question? Um, based on the diagnosis that we've done with you guys, um, your, your revenues are, are flat and your market share is decreasing. Not a good picture, yeah. So... Numbers don't lie. <laughs> yeah. And what numbers also don't lie is when they say to you, because 
renewals are contested. And if you're not automating and taking that worry away from a customer, yeah. the best the best thing you could do is tell them that you've got a renewal up. Yeah. You've got it sorted. But all you've got a 90% renewal rate on the renewals that you know about. Well, that's can can I comment? That's one of the things that I find it's a big gap, I think, in understanding in a lot of organizations is they'll look at their average rate. And a lot of times they're looking just at like that's including the enterprise accounts. But a lot of times if you actually say, well, what about your renewal rate on those accounts below 20,000 ARR? Often it's abysmal, but it's been hidden. That problem has often been hidden because it's been masked by that larger average. But we both know, particularly as we move the subscription, a lot of the future enterprise accounts start as smaller accounts. Um, if I could, there's one statistic that blows me away, and I'll share it. It's from OpenView Systems. Or open, I'm sorry, OpenView Partners. They looked at the most successful uh, product-led growth companies. And we're talking about companies that are kind of in the range of like an Atlassian um, or a Datadog. And the statistics that they highlighted were for those companies, for their accounts over 100,000 ARR, half yep. of them came from single seat sales. Oh. And to me, like I know that a lot of the legacy technology companies are, that's aspirational, but that is the future. So being able to efficiently and at scale, be able to nurture and help that customer gain success and keep adopting more of your solution, that's essential. And if there's anything getting in the way of that, that's going to kill long-term value for that company. So it's something I'm, I really care about a lot. So. Yeah. And I'm glad you do because um, our partnership needs that kind of thinking. And uh, I, mean, what, what, I just keep getting asked to talk about sometimes, and so I will for a bit with you about what do you mean by renewals are contested? And, 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 the way to look at it is to flip it over and that's said you only know about the renewals you know about. In other words, what yep. you've told. But yep. you have lost deals, mm. right? And you're not chasing that renewal because you've lost it. Uh, you lost the, the primary sale. Uh, that record is still a valid sales opportunity when you go in and sell them, not just or, or, or bid for their renewals. You yep. may have an issue with incumbency that's yeah. that's that's illegal in most countries uh, to not be able to to sell into uh, someone because they're your customer too. I sold them this, mm. but I didn't get that bit. But while I'm working on that, you know, it's the expand sale. You need to. Yeah. Is anyone talking to you about? Well, for example, you bought the firewall, but did you buy the you know the the, the web the web security on top of that? For example, yeah. um, because you didn't buy it off us, but is someone selling you that? Because I want to sell you that if you haven't. And then guess what? You get the renewal as well. Yeah. 